Before we start to talk about the names, I want to briefly talk about his nature. Let's talk about the nature of this little baby that was born 2,000 years ago. The first part of verse 6 clues us in to the unique nature of this Christ child. There's not been one like Him. There will never be another like Him. It describes, this, this one verse, it describes briefly both His humanity and His deity. We live in a, in a culture today that denies the deity of Christ. As a matter of fact, many of us in this culture deny that Christ even lived at all. But let me tell you something. This verse gives us insight into who this little baby is that's lying in a manger. We see, we see in this little verse just a hint of both the attributes of God and the characteristics of man. The verse says, for to us a child is born. For to us a child is born. He comes to us as a baby. He comes to us born of the Virgin Mary. He comes to us clothed in this flesh. To us, a son is given. He's God's son. God's son. Yes, He comes as a baby clothed in flesh, but He is by nature God Himself. He is God's son given to us as a gift a gift of truth and grace, a gift of life, a gift of hope. This human baby born to Mary in Bethlehem is no ordinary baby. He is, in fact, the eternal Son of God given to humankind as a gift. This baby is both God and man. Rabbi Zacharias, a great theologian and teacher, says this, the Son wasn't born the Son eternally existed. The child was born. God's Son was given. There has been and never will be another child like Jesus because He is the Son of God, eternally existent with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And He is the Son of Man, born to a woman named Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger. J.I. Packers, and it's, it's, I mean, this is one of those mysteries of God I can't begin to grasp. It's like, it's like so much else about God, it's just too big for me to understand. But J.I. Packers said this about the incarnation, and we'll move on from talking about the nature of this baby to the names of this baby. I just wanted to say this. J.I. Packer, another great theologian, said regarding the incarnation and its mystery and its power. He said the Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk as any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. And I want us all month long to meditate on the power of of this incarnation. God come to us in human form. God living among us, walking among us. There was a song that came out a long time ago. Well, no, let's say a long time ago. Most of you guys never even heard it. You're too young. What if God was one of us? You ever heard that song? What if God was one of us? I can't sing it. I tried. Guess what? He was. The God who came to us in human form. Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. 
He knows exactly where you're at today. Knows exactly what you're feeling today. Knows exactly what's tempting you today because he himself was one of us. I hope that you can connect with him emotionally on this one point. Your God knows where you're at right now. Right now. That's important. That's important. We'll talk a little bit more about it as we get into his names. His names. Let's talk about his names. That's why we're here. We're, t- we're here to talk about his names. These four names that God gave to this baby. These names help us understand who this Christ child is and what this Christ child has come to do. These names remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. The first name given to this baby is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. You know, we've got plenty of counselors today. We've got Christian counselors and we've got secular ones. We've got paid counselors and we've got unpaid ones. We've got good counselors and we've got not so good counselors. We've got counselors we invite into our situations and counselors who step into those situations uninvited and seem free to give us their uninvited advice. Fortunately, we have a great counselor among us. John Trahan and Diane, they work together, and they've helped so many. And I would tell you, he's a great counselor, but he's not a Jesus. He's a good counselor. We're talking about Jesus, who is wonderful counselor, which literally means Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. He is an amazing counselor. He is a supernatural counselor. His counsel goes far beyond our limited human understanding. Jesus is a wonder of a counselor who offers us unerring and infallible guidance that helps us work through the difficulties and the problems in our life. Jesus provides us reliable and foolproof plans that get us through any crisis that we face. Jesus is a wonder of a counselor who never leads us wrong. But His help and His support And his plan always turns out to be right, and it always works for our good. Now, unfortunately, many of us don't want to follow his plan because we got our own ideas about what we're going to do. But that doesn't take away from the fact that God sent Christ to us to be a wonderful counselor, a wonder of a counselor, a a man who would impart to us the wisdom of God. Isaiah eleven two 2 says of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 just says it simply like this. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. Why does it matter that he's our wonderful counselor? Here's why it matters. Because this Christmas, some of us are floundering around like a ship without a sail, like a boat without a rudder on a dark and stormy sea. We can't see where we're going. We can't tell up from down. We can't tell left from right. We can't tell the truth from the lies. We're doing the best we can, but we don't know what to do. Some of us today need a good counselor. No, 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 no. John has limits. We don't need a good counselor. We need a 
wonder of a counselor to get us through the mess we created. And that's who Jesus came to be. I would encourage you today, if you find yourself like that rudderless boat trying to make your way to shore, but you don't even know where the shore is, why don't you turn to Jesus and ask him for his help? You have not because you ask not, he said. Some of you need to stop trusting in your, not only in yourselves, but in those friends who are well-meaning, well-intentioned, but they don't have a clue either. Turn to God's word. Let Christ lead you through the wisdom that he's given us there. Turn to the Lord in prayer, and you will be amazed at how suddenly the light will go off, and you'll know what you need. You may not want to do it, but you'll know what to do. Which brings me to his second name. His second name is Mighty God. Follow me. Second name is Mighty God. One preacher said this, and this is how these two names connect. As the wonderful counselor, he makes the plans. And as the mighty God, he makes the plans work. How many of you right now, you're facing a situation that's way beyond you, but you know what you ought to do. You know what you ought to do. It's just that you don't want to do it, or you're just afraid to trust that what you know to do is, come on, guess what? This mighty God will give you the power and the willingness to do it. Because he's mighty God. He will make a way where there appears to be no way. This, listen, Jesus is called mighty God. And that literally means a powerful in a military sense. Jesus, this baby lying in a manger, will become a conqueror, a champion, our hero. Literally, literally, Jesus is our hero God. Lord, in a culture that finds its heroes in athletic stars and movie stars, we need a real hero. Jesus is our hero God. He has the power to accomplish everything he chooses to do. No enemy can stop him. No force can withstand his advance. And no one can thwart his will. Isaiah 14, 27 says of him, The Lord of heaven's army has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? If our God is for us, how'd the rest of that line go? If our God is for us, come on, y'all. If our God is for us, do you believe that or not? That's what it boils down to. Do we believe it or not? Jesus is our hero God. Jesus fights our battles for us, and through him we win the victory. He healed the sick. We read about it in the story this year. He healed the sick. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He calmed the storm. He stilled the sea. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the, de- uh, the grave. The devil trembled when he speaks. The devil still trembles when he speaks. And he makes demons flee. If our God is for us, do you believe it? Do you believe he is who he claims to be, our hero God? If we follow him into the battles, if we follow him into the battles that we face in this life, we're promised that we will triumph. The problem is, some of us don't want to follow 
because we're mired in fear and doubt. And I'm telling you, you've got nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. He fights the battle for you. It's simply stand there, be still, and know he's God. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. Look, every battle we fight, every battle He wins for us becomes part of our testimony. Part of the message that we take to the rest of the world. Trust God. He's not finished with you yet. Some of you are just now learning the power of that. You, you are putting behind you circumstances of your own making that were hurtful and painful, but you are watching God go before you, and He's giving you favor with people you thought would never show you favor again. Amen. Your families are being restored when you had given up on that. It's because you're letting Him fight the battle for you. You're just simply trusting and obeying. And He's doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. He is your hero God. He is your hero God. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be praised. Or He's worthy to be obeyed. There's no obstacle standing in front of you today that He hasn't moved already. There's no situation in your life that's too hopeless for Him. No one who trusts in Christ is helpless. We sang it. I'm going to remind you that you sang it. I hope you weren't lying when you sang it. With him, all things are possible. If our God is for us, who can stand against us? He's your mighty God, your hero God. He's also your everlasting Father. He is your everlasting Father. Now, I know I meet a lot of people that feel like God is so distant and so disconnected from their lives. God seems so far removed to some from their everyday existence. I mean, sometimes people don't have a problem thinking of God as powerful. They just think He doesn't care and He's not concerned. Some have a hard time believing that God could be personal, that they could know Him and He could know them. Everything changed the moment Virgin Mary gave birth to that little Christ child. Because at that moment, God literally came to us. God literally jumped every barrier that stood between us and Him, and He became like us. Remember what the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. With the birth of Jesus, God inserts himself into our world. God inserts himself into our struggles. God inserts himself into our hardships and into our pain. He knows us. He knows us because He has become like us. And I'm going to use a contemporary phrase that I hope connects some of you to what I'm trying to say today. God feels you. He feels you. 
I hate that phrase, but I'm going to use it again. He feels you. He knows where you're at. You see, Jesus has come to us to reveal the love that God has for us as our heavenly Father. In John 14, 9, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The love of our earthly fathers, and here's where we struggle, I think, a lot, because we live in a culture, uh, I, I think, that's, that's uh, moving away from, health, from the ideas of healthy fatherhood, and, and so many children now grow up without a healthy father in their life. But the love of our earthly fathers, follow me, has been, may have been, the love of our earthly fathers may have been defective. And the love of our earthly fathers toward us may have been neglectful, and in some cases even abusive. But Jesus has come to show us how deeply and personally and intimately God the Father loves us as his children. Jesus said that over and over and over again through the story. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus is trying to get across to us how deeply personal this God wants to be with each one of us. He is the everlasting Father who loves us with an everlasting love. Not based on our performance. Not based on what we do or what we've done. He simply loves us because of who we are. His sons and his daughters. He loves us with an unconditional, everlasting love. And I got a feeling that there are many people this Christmas who are struggling with their feelings of loneliness this Christmas. They are struggling with feelings of neglect. There are many probably sitting in this room today who feel like you have been overlooked and you have been forgotten. And I am telling you, this Christmas is when you need to focus on this Christ child who came to show you the love of your heavenly Father, who will sacrifice everything to bring you back into relationship with him, who will span any distance to be with you. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. This is who he came to reveal himself to be, the everlasting Father. Look, I want you to know this. This comes from the heart of God. God knew you and loved you before you were born. God knows you and loves you just the way you are right now. And God loves you and will continue to love you. From now through eternity. This is who God is. 1 John 3, 1 tells us this. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. I came across something this week that I want to share with you. There are copies of it on the back table back there. I hope you pick one up today. If we run out, I'll be happy to make some more. I found it on a little website. Just trying to prepare for the message. It's in the form of a letter written by the Father God to his children. And it's based on scripture. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You feel like there's this great separation between you and God. You feel as if God couldn't possibly love you because of what you've done or where you've been. Or maybe you just think that he's, he's out there not really concerned about you. I would encourage you to take this little letter home and read over it for yourself. And let its truth just permeate your spirit. I'm just going to read a, part, a small portion of it to you today. It's on the screen above my head. It's in the form of a letter written by the everlasting Father to you. 
This little portion I'm going to read says this, My child, my child, I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sands on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. Love your everlasting Father. I hope that connects with some of you on a level where God is trying to get to you. That he loves you. He loves you as, the, as your earthly father may never have loved you. He loves you with a perfect love. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, but this baby was given a fourth name. And that fourth name is Prince of Peace. He shall be called the Prince of Peace. You could literally translate this name, the Prince whose coming brings peace. The Prince whose coming brings peace. The word translated peace here is a really important word, and I hope that we can wrap our minds around it a little bit. You probably you may have heard this before, but it's the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom doesn't just mean peace in the sense of an absence of conflict. Shalom means peace in the sense of being whole, of being complete. Shalom speaks of a comprehensive sense of well-being. It means that all of our relationships have been put right and everything in life is as it should be. Shalom. Oh, that's a beautiful thought. Where everything in life is as it should be. I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think about it this way. We can only experience shalom when we experience peace at three levels in our life. There are at least three kinds of relationships that require peace for people like you and me to experience shalom, this complete sense of well-being. First of all, we need peace with God. We need peace with God. We need peace in our vertical relationship with God. Secondly, we need peace, the peace of God. We need peace inside our own hearts. We need an internal peaceful relationship with ourselves. We need to be comfortable in our own skin. And if we can gain peace if we can gain peace with God, and if we can gain the peace of God, then it becomes much easier to extend peace outwardly and have peace on a horizontal level, a peace with the other people in our lives. You see, the reason right now so many of our relationships are torn up, broken up, is because, first of all, we don't have peace with God. We're in a constant struggle with God we're in a constant struggle demanding our own way instead of submitting to what the Father wants for us, or we're in such conflict inside our own hearts with ourselves 
these lusts, doing what we, you know, uh, uh, Paul talks about it in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Come on, anybody been there? And that we just begin to act out on all the conflict going on inside our own hearts. We find ourselves at war with one another because we haven't settled the war that's in here. Jesus has come to bring peace. With His coming comes peace. Ephesians chapter 2 puts it this way, for He Himself is our peace. He Himself is our peace. So I have just a couple of questions for you today as we kind of wind it down and bring it to a close. Are you out of sorts with God today? Do you find that the relationship you want to have with God has been broken? You want that relationship restored? Do you want that relationship to be at peace? Receive the Prince of Peace into your life and He will make you right with God. That's the message. That's the entire message of the Gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says our message is that God was making all human beings His friends through Christ. You can't be a friend of God in any other way except to come through Christ. The Prince of Peace has to establish His throne in your heart to bring you peace with God. Are you feeling restless? Are you feeling agitated? Are you eaten up with anxiety on the inside? Well, let the Prince of Peace come and let Him bring His peace into your heart as you establish His throne in your life. Because when He comes... He brings peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace. You will keep in shalom those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We spend way too much time trusting in ourselves to be at peace within ourselves. You're too broken for that. He alone can bring you the peace inside your own life that you desperately want. And that comes by submitting to His Lordship in your life. And then once you have peace with God, and once you have peace on the inside, guess what? It's so much easier then to have peace with the other people in your life. It's like pieces of a puzzle begin to fall together. Are your relationships with others in turmoil? Maybe even broken? fractured, and you think broken beyond repair. And I'm here to tell you, you let the Prince of Peace into your heart. Let him bring peace with God, bring to you the peace of God. He will also work through you to bring the peace with others that you're looking for. Matthew 5, 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. I want to bring it to an end. Band, if you'll come back up, we're going to worship the Lord some more this morning. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. I believe Jesus 
is a gift given to us by God to satisfy the deepest needs of our human existence. I believe Jesus is sent to us to bring hope to our hearts that we don't have to continue to live in darkness and confusion. We don't have to live in the pain and the hurt and the anger and the bitterness and the resentment. We don't have to live a life that's consumed with lust and sin. We don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus has come as a gift from God to break the power of sin in our life. To lead us through the difficulties that we face. To set us free. Make us whole. But he's like any gift. He's like any gift that will be given to you this Christmas day, this Christmas season. I could walk up to any one of you and hand you a wrapped gift, but that gift only becomes good to you, effective for you, when you unwrap the gift and begin to use the gift and appreciate the gift and enjoy the gift. Otherwise, the gift will remain in its little package and will be useless to you of no good to you. Jesus has come. And he is called Wonderful Counselor. And his counsel you can always trust. He has come as a gift to us. And he is called Mighty God who can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He is a gift come to us. From the hands of God, he is called everlasting Father. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus is the gift given to us by God. And he's called Prince of Peace. And he has come to bring us peace. Peace with God. The peace of God and peace with others. My question for you this morning, as we enter this Christmas season, is are you willing to see Jesus as the gift that he is, and are you willing to embrace this gift as your own? Are you willing to receive Christ Jesus? into your heart through repentance and in faith. He's here. Promised of God. He's here. He's here. He's a gift given by God to you. Will you receive him? Will you take him as your own? Will you bow your knee and confess him to be your Lord? He's here. 
He's here. He's here. Father, we praise your name. We give you glory. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. There's no one in this room that has to take another step in this life feeling hopeless or helpless. You are here. You are here. You are here to satisfy the deepest needs in our life. You are here. I pray this morning, Lord, that our eyes would be opened and our ears unstopped. I pray this morning that our hearts would be made open to embrace you as our King, as our Lord, as the one who has come to fulfill all the hopes you've placed in our life. A hope for life, a hope for life with you, hope for peace, hope for joy. Oh God, a hope for salvation. You are that hope. There is no other. We place our hopes in you this morning, Christ Jesus. Give us faith to believe. Give us faith to believe.